Good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us today. Would you write something in the comments so we know who was with us this morning? Uh, did you know about all of our journey groups and Sunday school classes that we have going on right now? At 10 a.m. every Sunday, you can join us online. We have a class led by Ken Casey and George Varner, and I hear it's an amazing class. There's also another class at 10 a.m. with Mark Condra and Eric Wright leading that one. Now, both of these classes, if you need any help figuring out how to get onto those, write something in the comments here on Facebook or call the church office. We will help you be a part of those classes. Uh, also, on Thursday at 7 a.m., Sam, there's a, there's a group of men that meet at 7 a.m. on Zoom. JT, that's early. So they call themselves Men at the Well. You want to check out that group as well. Everybody loves the Men at the Well Zoom, uh, so you want to join that one. Our youth and kids are back in person, which they absolutely love that we're able to be back in person. Uh, the children are meeting outside in the green space spread out, uh, and the youth are out in the courtyard spread out with social distancing. And lastly, I want to let you know, if you haven't checked it out yet, Pastor Sam has a Bible study on Wednesday nights at 6 online, and it's incredible. It's incredible. And of course, you all know that you can join us here in person on Thursday nights as well. And we're glad you're connecting with us here. We're so thankful that even with everything going on, we can still connect and be together as a church family. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Loving God, this morning we are so thankful that we can still come together as a church family. Uh, we pray that you will uh, calm our hearts and our minds and that you will transform us this morning, that every time we come into your presence, God, that you will change us. Uh, and shape us more and more into what you have called us to be. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning as we worship together, I invite you with your hymnals, hymn number 400, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing.
Will you join us, wherever you're watching from, will you join us in the Apostles' Creed, the affirmation of faith? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I want to add my welcome to Andy's welcome to you earlier today. We're so glad that you're joining us and worshiping with us on YouTube or on Facebook Live or however you're viewing this. If you're having a watch party with friends or it's just you, you still are connected to us. We still are connected to you because the Holy Spirit reaches all of us. You know, when we first started this year, we had a theme for 2020, and it was Connect 2020, and we had all of these big plans. But you know what? Sometimes we change our plans, and that's what we're talking about today in this message that we're going to hear in just a few minutes about changing our expectations. But we are still connected, and we still are in ministry. We still are doing discipleship and worship and missions and all of the things that a church does. We just can't always do it the way we want to. We still need your support though. We still need your prayers. We still need that connection. So continue to support your church. Thank you for your generosity. Uh, we, we are good stewards of everything that you send, so if you want to give online or with your church app or if you want to drop it in the mail, we will appreciate that. God blesses that and multiplies it and uses it in ministry in this community where God has placed us. Thank you again for being here. Uh, if you have a prayer request, we ask that you would send that to us by email. That's fumc at fumcgaston.org. If you can email that to us, if you want to put it in the comments, if you don't mind everybody seeing it, then we'll pass that along that way. If you have an answer to prayer, we love to hear those praise reports, so let us know about that too. Will you join me now as we go to the Lord in prayer? God, you've been so good to us. You've blessed us in so many ways, and you've given us another day. You've given us another chance and an opportunity to praise you, and with every breath in our lungs. We want to do that. We want to give you glory and credit. We want to say how awesome you are, even when our small minds don't understand everything that's going on, even when there's pain, even when there's disaster and hurricanes and pandemic and unrest. We know that you are still the great I am. 
So thank you for being our ever unchanging God and our all powerful, all knowing God. Thank you for being our merciful redeemer, for forgiving us because God, you know we need it. So we ask even now that you would forgive us where we have failed you and failed to live up to the glory that you had in mind for us all along. We ask for, for healing, Lord, for those that we carry with us in our hearts that need a healing touch from you today. We ask for healing. We ask for strength and comfort for those who are walking through uh, a new season of grief right now. God, help them and bless them. We ask for wisdom and discernment as we try to move forward. For our nation's leaders, God, we pray. It's easy to become cynical. It's easy to get a bad attitude about it, but God, it's hard to lead. So we pray for our leaders, uh, community, state, and national, and our world leaders. So give supernatural direction to them and discernment. Give them courage when they need it most. God, help them to reform things that need to be reformed and to be faithful to things um, that need to be held true. And teach us today to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Run it over. Sure. 
Thank you, JT and Trish. That is simply beautiful and what a wonderful reminder of the Shepherd's Psalm in music. Um, we have been looking all month at how 2020 has caused us to have to push the reset button. Uh, we have certainly had to reset our priorities. We sometimes need to reset our attitude. Pastor Andy reminded us that we need to do some resetting in terms of taking care of ourselves because we all, I don't know if you did, but during the quarantine times, I, I feel like I, I just ate everything inside, every kind of junk food and comfort food I could get. So taking care of ourselves, body, mind, and spirit. And this week we're talking about resetting our expectations. And in order to do that, we're going to look at Moses. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, the story of Moses at the burning bush. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them from the Egyptians to bring them out of, of, what, of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask, What is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name 
forever. And this is my title for all generations. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me start with some questions this morning. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you ordered a steak? Let's say you ordered it medium rare and you were expecting that when it got to the table it was going to be just right only to find out that instead of medium rare it was well done or maybe vice versa if that's how you order your steak. Surprise! Or let me ask you this, have you ever, have you ever asked your teenage kids to um, to clean up the kitchen and do all the dishes in the morning before you leave the house only to find when you got home that the dirty dishes were still piled in the sink and the kitchen had not been touched. Has that ever happened to you? Or have you ever um, set out on a trip? Let's just say hypothetically you're on Interstate 65 and you think that it's going to take you a certain amount of time to get to Gulf Shores or wherever you're going. You think that only to find that there's construction or there's a jackknife 18 wheeler or something and it ends up taking you twice as long to get there as you thought it was going to. One last question. Have you ever done all of this exercise? Maybe you had one of those videos and you did Pilates or sweating to the oldies if you're old enough to remember that and anyway you worked so hard and you were just looking forward to stepping on those scales at the end of the week only to find that the number was exactly the same as it was last week or maybe even up a number oh my gosh can I get an amen on any of those from any of y'all in the in the congregation today, um, maybe type amen in your comments. I have to confess to you, I've experienced all of those things. I have expected this and I've gotten that. And what I had to do was reset. Um, having to reset our expectations is not something that's new to us. As a matter of fact, resetting your expectations is as old as Moses' toes, as the old saying goes. I want you to think about Moses and his life and the timeline uh, of his life and think about how he had to adjust. Think about how he had to reset his expectations. Moses was born during a time when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. And the Pharaoh at that time felt threatened by the growing number of Israelites and so he sent forth an edict that all the Hebrew male baby boys had to be thrown into the Nile River. So Moses' mother had this beautiful baby boy. What was she going to do? She kept him hidden as long as she could, but then it came time that she couldn't keep him hidden anymore. And so technically she did keep the Pharaoh's order because she did put him in the Nile River. She just put him in a little basket boat. And she sent his older sister Miriam to follow along the banks of the Nile to take care and watch out after her baby brother. And then the Pharaoh's daughter just happened to be going down to the Nile River uh, to bathe and had all her attendants with her, of course. And she saw the little basket boat 
caught in the reeds and she sent one of her attendants down and they pulled this basket out and opened it up and inside was this beautiful little baby boy and she was thinking to herself you know dad didn't say that we couldn't pull them out of the river once they got put into the river so technically I wouldn't be breaking the rules and her second thought was I have no, I want to keep this baby, but I have no idea what to do with a baby boy who is crying and who is hungry. Enter Moses' big sister, brave little Miriam, comes up and says, Hey, princess, would you like for me to find a Hebrew woman to nurse this baby for you? And the princess says, That would be great. That would be fantastic. As a matter of fact, if you will do that, then I will pay a salary to the Hebrew woman who nurses this child for me. That would be great and fantastic. So that's what she did. And, and here's what I want you to think about. Think about how God works. Uh, Moses' own mother gets to get her son Moses back she gets to nurse him and care for him, and she gets paid a salary from the princess for doing it. This brings me to the first of my two points that I want to make today about expectations. The first is this. With God, we should expect the unexpected because God works in mischievous ways. I know you're thinking, oh, don't you mean to say that God works in mysterious ways? Yes. And don't you know about that old hymn that William Cooper wrote back in the 18th century? God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. Yes, I know about that. But my favorite way of saying that comes from one of my favorite seminary teachers, uh, Dr. Roberta Bondi. And with a little twinkle in her eye, she would look at all of us and she would say, God works in mischievous ways. So, back to Moses. Moses was nursed and he was nurtured by his real mother until he was weaned probably about three years of age or so. I wonder what his expectations as a three-year-old were. I think maybe he probably expected what every three-year-old expects to be with mommy forever to never have to be separated from their mom but that was not to be because Moses was going to be sent to Pharaoh's palace Moses was going to be sent not to be the son of his biological mother but to be the son of the princess and that's exactly where he grew up he grew up as a prince of Egypt he grew up uh, always knowing where he came from though even though he was a prince of Egypt, he always knew that he was an Israelite. And one day when he was a grown man, he, he was out observing the people and who were in forced labor, his, his own people. And he saw, he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. And the scripture says that Moses looked around 
to make sure no one was watching, which if you've ever watched any of those TV uh, crime shows, you know that this means it's premeditated, right? And he kills the Egyptian and he buries him in the body, uh, his body in the sand, and he thinks nobody is the wiser. He thinks nobody saw him do that. He has committed first-degree murder, but he thinks he's going to get away with it until the next day, right? Until the next day, he's going along and he sees two Israelites who are arguing and fighting with each other. And Moses steps in between them and says, hey, you guys are brothers. You're not supposed to be fighting with each other. And one of the Israelites says, well, who made you the boss of us, Mr. Fancy Pants? Are you going to kill us and bury our bodies in the sand like you did that Egyptian yesterday? And Moses was thinking, oh, snap. I thought I got away with that, but obviously I didn't. I thought nobody knew, and now Moses has to run for his life. Okay, let's just stop here and think about Moses' expectations so far in his life. He expected to get to stay with his biological family. That didn't happen. He was raised in Pharaoh's household and expected to be a prince of Egypt for the rest of his life. That didn't happen. Now he's on the run. He's running for his life. He didn't expect that. He may be learning, Moses may be learning something about expectations that we need to know today. That with God, we expect the unexpected because God moves in mischievous ways. So Moses runs off to the backside of nowhere. He goes off to Midian, and he's at a well there, which is very important in a dry and arid land. He's at the well, and the seven daughters of Jethro, the priest of Midian, are there trying to water their flocks. And Moses is observing what's going on. They're trying to water their flocks, and then these other shepherds are trying to, to break in line and keep them from watering their flocks. And Moses goes over and he drives away the hooligans and he lets the daughters of Jethro water the flocks. And the daughters think, here is our hero. And it doesn't hurt that he looks just like Charlton Heston. So they go and run back to their dad and they say, Dad, this guy really helped us to water flocks. And Jethro says, and you just left him there? Go and get him and bring him home to supper. So they go and fetch Moses and they bring him home. And the family, they all hit it off just great. And Jethro says, hey, you know, would you consider just staying on with us? I'll give you one of my daughters as your wife. And so Moses marries Zipporah, who is one of Jethro's daughters and settles down to help his father-in-law, Jethro, take care of the sheep. Moses and his wife, Zipporah, settle into the life. They have a couple of sons. Moses is about 40 years old at this time, and so for the next 40 years, Moses works moving the flocks from the green pastures near his home in the springtime out into the wilderness to try to find um, grass to graze on during the summertime when everything's dried up. 
looking for the best place, always looking for the best place, sometimes getting to sleep at home, sometimes having to sleep under the stars at night, always taking care of the sheep for 40 years, the same job. He can, he can do it with his eyes closed. He knows that job so well. And so now he's about 80 years old. What do you think Moses' expectations are when he's 80 years old and he's worked for 40 years as a shepherd? Hard, hard work. Maybe he's expecting to retire. But Moses' expectations have to be reset because remember, God works in mischievous ways. Moses is out one day, he's taking care of the flock and he sees an unusual sight. He sees a bush that's on fire but it's not burning up. And Moses says to himself, that's not something you see every day. I better go check that out. And when he comes up to the bush and approaches it, he hears the words from the bush, take off your sandals, Moses, this is holy ground. Turns out, it's God who's speaking to him through this burning bush. It's God who is reminding him, hey, I'm still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses has to change his expectations. God reminds him who he is, and then he says this to him. Moses, I have seen, I have seen the suffering of my people. I have heard their cries and I know what they're going through. I know their oppression. All right, pause here again. I think at this point, Moses is saying to himself, you know what, God, it's about time. For the last 40 years, I've been taking care of these flocks, but my mind, I've been thinking about the oppression of my people back in Egypt. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if God did something about that? So it's about time, God. I'm glad that you're finally going to do something about this. And Moses was not expecting what God was going to say next. God says, come, I will send you. I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people Israel out of Egypt. 80-year-old Moses didn't see that one coming. So he did what we would do. He said, who am I? Who am I, God, that I should go to Pharaoh? That's a fair enough question. And here's God's answer. I will be with you. That's who you are. I will be with you which is really all the answer any of us ever needs when God wants us to do something and we think, who am I? The answer we need is, I will be with you. And if God is with us, who can be against us? Then Moses says, what am I supposed to tell the Israelites? If I go up to my people and I, I haven't seen them in 40 years and I tell them that God has sent me to deliver you and they say, well, which God? What's his name? What do I say to them? And God says, I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent you. And Moses must be thinking, I am? What kind of name is I am? But here's something interesting. 
The Hebrew word I am is the same word that God used in verse 12 when he told Moses, I will be with you. So basically, God's name, which is God's unchanging character for all generations, is this. I am, I will be, and I always have been. Revelation 1-4 describes God as the one who is, who was, and who is to come. And that brings me to the next thing that I want to say about expectations. God is the great I am and always will be. But expect everything else to change. I know, I know, I don't like to hear that everything changes. I don't like it. I don't like to know that I'm getting older and I am. I've got a big birthday coming up this year, y'all. I don't like to see everything around me changing. I don't like it. I don't like uh, seeing my kids grow up and move out of the house. I want them to stay little in a way. I don't like seeing family and friends that I love um, pass from this life into the next life. I miss them. I get lonely for them. I don't like how about the time I get used to things and about the time I think I know how to do my job, then everything changes. Or it's time to retire. Or it's time to do what Methodist preachers do sometimes, get moved to another place and start doing another church, another thing with another church a different way. I don't like it. And I particularly don't like that when everything is rocking along and you got plans and you went to Office Depot and you bought this really cool 2020 planner and you got things, you got all of these things mapped out that you're going to do in 2020 and then bam, all of a sudden a pandemic hits. Nobody knew that. Everybody was surprised. We haven't seen, nobody alive has seen anything like this. Oh, sure, we've had recessions, we've, had, we've lived through 9-11, we've lived through weather disasters, we've been through a lot. But this? I mean, 2020 is not what any of us expected. But hear this, God is still the great I am. Everything else can and will change but God is still God. Sometimes our expectations look really unrealistic because we sometimes expect to know all the answers. We sometimes expect to have a handle on everything and think somehow we're in control of everything we got it all under control. We expect that sometimes. We expect God to tie everything up in a nice, neat bow for us. But God is the God of the unexpected. God loves surprises. And instead of a period, a lot of times God just puts a dot, 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 question mark. Why? Why? Because God is God and we're not. 
I know that sounds glib. I don't mean it to sound that way, but it's true. We're not supposed to know everything. That's God's job. Maybe what we need to do is to reset our expectations to expect the unexpected because God is at work and God works in surprising, mysterious, mischievous ways. We also need to also need to expect that God is and was and always will be the great I am. Never changing. But everything else can and will. It can and it will. So what really can we expect from God? If we have unrealistic expectations, we might expect that, hey, you know what? I'm basically a good person. I'm trying my best, so I should not be facing all this hardship. We could expect that. But really, that's not what we should expect. That's not what our life has taught us. That's not what the scripture has taught us. If this is our expectation, if we expect that if we're trying our best, everything is going to go great, if we expect that we're in for a surprise and a life filled with resentment and bitterness, we need to reset that expectation. But what can we expect from this God who is unchanging, this God who is the great I am? George Matheson was... uh, a young seminary student in Scotland years and years ago. And George was excited about going to seminary and he dreamed about serving one of the big cathedrals. He was in love and he was engaged in his fiancee and he were planning a life together and everything was gonna be wonderful. They had great expectations. But tragically, George lost his eyesight. And this was in a day when there wasn't much to do. If someone lost their eyesight, it was just difficult. There weren't any special training. It was hard. So his fiance couldn't handle it. So she left him. She broke off the engagement. And he was always a good student and he expected to do well in seminary. He expected to to really move up the ladder, so to speak, but he ended up struggling to get through, barely getting through and being assigned to a small rural parish once he got out. None of the things that George had planned for his life, none of the things he had expected came true and George could have been bitter he could have been resentful he could have lived a life of misery instead he started writing hymns and he wrote one of the most beautiful hymns in our hymnal I just love it it's called O Love That Will Not Let Me Go Oh, love that will not let me go. So that's the answer to the question of what we can expect from God. Oh, we can expect the unexpected, sure. 
we can expect mysterious, mischievous ways from God because God loves surprises. We can expect, though, for God to always be the love that will not let us go. I really like the third verse of George Matheson's beautiful hymn, so I'm going to close with that, and then we're going to, to sing this beautiful hymn. The third verse goes like this, O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee, I trace the rainbow through the rain, and feel the promise is not vain, that morn shall tearless be. Let us pray. God, I don't know where we get our expectations from, Lord, but sometimes they're not realistic because things are always changing, but you never change. And how thankful we are that you are always the great I am. You're full of surprises, God, but you're also full of love and mercy toward us. So continue to be with us like you were with Moses. And we'll be faithful, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The closing hymn is number 480. If you have access to the hymnal, it's called, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go.
you're going to get to be a part of a, a, a special treat today. I want to ask uh, JT and Trish Harrell if they will come. They have been part of our church family for a long time. They're just officially moving their membership here to, to be a part of this merry band here at Gadsden First United Methodist Church. We love them already. You know them already. We just welcome them in a special way today. So Trish and JT, I ask you on behalf of the whole church, will you be loyal to this church? Will you support it with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And this is the time when we would normally just hug their neck and welcome them officially. You're just going to have to do that the next time that you see them. Welcome. We love you, and we're glad to, that you're officially part of the family. And now hear the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.